I'm Erica Ives. And I'm Will Schofield. And welcome to It's All About Mental Health, a podcast all about mental health. And the reason we've chosen to do this podcast on mental health is because we have a very deep passion to increase awareness um, by using another platform that of podcast for people to come together to share experiences and knowledge and increase the dialogue and to create a language to talk about this hard topic of mental health and while there are many podcasts out there about mental health our belief is that the more the better because someone may hear something differently or from someone differently on this podcast versus another and it just takes one person's knowledge to save another's life i also believe it's so important to bring to people together to talk about this because there's so much stigma around mental health and mental illness and it keeps people isolated and afraid and shamed and embarrassed to ask for help or to talk to others and so here we are um at our podcast all about mental health so let's introduce ourselves. Why don't you take it away, Will? <laughs> sure. Um, so my name is Will Schofield. I am a certified alcohol and drug counselor in the state of California. I work at a residential treatment facility, and I also work at Mindful Path, which is Erica's company, uh, where I am a drug counselor and I'm also a case manager. Uh, I'm also a man in recovery myself with a little over eight years clean and sober. Uh, How about you, Er? Well, I am a licensed marriage family therapist in the state of California. I've been practicing for a pretty long time. I don't always like to say how long because I don't want to give away my age, but I will anyway. I've been practicing for over 20 years <laughs> because I'm proud of that. And I've, I've been privileged and honored to meet so many incredible people in my journey. Um, and I'm also a woman in recovery. And I am also the CEO and the founder of Mindful Path, Inc., which is a healing space with a lot of different types of treatment professionals that come together and create a unique personalized experience for that individual seeking help. And one of the reasons I created this company is because I realized in working with mental health that there is no one way for everybody to get help and it's so important for people to have um, a lot of of different things available at you know 
uh, right there at their hands to choose from to even figure out what it is that's going to work for them. Yeah, and you do be exposed to different types of things. Right, right. And so that's that was really my premise. And trust me, you're going to be hearing so much more about Mindful Path as we go along. So I won't bore you guys too much with it, but you will be hearing more about it for sure. I hope so. I look forward to it. So did you know, Will, that half of mental health conditions actually begin by the age 14? I did not, but when we looked at the NAMI, I think it was, uh, statistics, you know, I was definitely shocked by that. You know, I was shocked by the prevalence of mental health and mental illness, you know, and I think for us being in this field, we're very submerged in these topics all the time, however, which can almost give us a bias towards how often we think these things occur. But this just further confirmed my beliefs too. You know, we also read that, you know, about 75% of mental health conditions actually are fully developed by age 24. Right. And you mentioned NAMI, and that's the National Association of Mental Illness, a really, really important foundation uh, that has so many resources available, provides so much education, and does so many wonderful things for those who are suffering and for their family and loved ones. So that's a great resource. That's N-A-M-I, and you can just look them up online yeah. and find out more about them because, again, that's a that's a great uh, resource. Um, since our podcast is about mental health, I thought we could start off by defining what exactly even is mental health and how is it different from mental illness because those are actually two different concepts yeah they are and so mental health it affects the way that we think feel and act and it also helps determine how we handle stress how we relate to others problem solve and how we make decisions i like to think of of mental health as kind of the way that i can gauge myself throughout the day that's a great example uh, it, it also includes our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. So, yes, it's the way we think, the way we feel, and the way we act. And it's vital at every stage of our, li- of our lives. So from childhood and adolescence through adulthood. And I'm going to say something really important and you're going to hear me say this over and over again but that's how important it is mental health is something that everyone has you cannot run and you cannot hide from your mental health it will affect you to some capacity as well as the quality of your life so again mental health is something everybody has. While mental illness is something that refers to a wide range of actual mental health conditions, so disturbances or disorders that affect your mood, 
thinking and behavioral or a combination of these. So examples are like depression or anxiety or a substance use disorder or schizophrenia or eating disorders. So it's the actual mental health conditions. Yeah, and according to NAMI, uh, approximately one in five adults in the U.S., um, which is contains about roughly 43.8 million people or about 18.5% wow. experiences mental illness in a given year Crazy. with 6.9% of adults in the U.S., which is equivalent to about 16 million who had at least one major depressive episode in the past year. That is terrifying. And Yeah, it is. And mental illnesses are so undiagnosed, Will. I have a really terrifying statistics to share that comes also from NAMI. Did you know that suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States? It is the second leading cause of death between people aged 10 years old to 34 years old. Wow. 10 years old is pretty horrifying. Yes. And it's the second leading death. That's pretty scary. Yep. No one's exempt from developing a mental illness. Um, and, and they cannot be overcome through pure willpower. And they're also not related to a person's intellectual capacity or character. What we'll learn more is that mental illness, it's actually, like we were saying, it's a mental health condition, but it's also a brain disease. It is an actual brain disease. Again, that affects your mood thinking and behavior um well how about would you mind being oh so personal and sharing a little bit about your mental health and or mental illnesses you have struggled with yeah not a problem um so i was actually diagnosed with adhd when i was about eight years old um so from age eight to um, about 18, I've been on all types of medications for um, ADHD, which ranged from, you know, amphetamines and, you know, the uh, non-amphetamine uh, stimulant medications um, in order to help treat that. I've also been diagnosed with major depressive disorder, anxiety, and substance use disorder. Um, I've uh, had suicidal ideation and struggled with obviously addiction. So um, that can also bring with it its own kind of idiosyncrasies to um, a lot of people with addictions struggle with trauma and things like that. Um, so that's pretty much uh, my experience with mental illness. How about you? First of all, I just want to say thank you so much for being so honest with our viewers. Yeah. I mean, our listeners. I, re I really appreciate it. It's yeah. not an easy 
thing um, to talk about. So, you know, I, I just, I commend you for being able to talk about it. Yeah. How about you? Well, I have uh, struggled with my mental health throughout my lifetime. I have been diagnosed with major depression and I have also struggled with anxiety uh, throughout my my adolescence and really my adult life. I also suffered from an eating disorder for 15 years, bulimia nervosa, which is binging and purging. And I am in recovery from that as well as a substance use disorder. And so while it's been, you know, a lot of struggles, it's it's been a lot of miracles that have come from from what's on the other side. Yeah. So I feel really fortunate for where I am now, and again, so fortunate to be able to help other people. Yeah, it's a major blessing. Yeah, but there's unfortunately so many common misconceptions and incorrect education about mental illness that alone um, can cause people to develop a really wrongful stigma. Uh, Have you heard people say like, People who have a psychiatric disorder are going to be locked away in institutions. And that's a really old, you know, old, terrifying belief. And it can be so detrimental to somebody who has mental health problems. And many people actually fear if they confide in someone that they have a problem, they will actually be sent and locked away. I've heard my clients say it before and too often such a fear prevents them from seeking the help that they so desperately need yeah i definitely i definitely have heard a lot of interesting statements um you know i think there's stigma at many different levels and and i know i think we're gonna kind of get into the different types of stigma but I know for me and my family, I've heard, I feel like stigma even comes in the way of just the lack of dialogue that happens when somebody's going through something, Um, whether they're just kind of describing it as somebody feeling blue or sad or having a tough time without really divulging what's actually going on. Mm -hmm. Um, I've also, I mean, too often, you know, you hear people say, oh, that person's crazy or people passing judgments without kind of understanding what's really going on with that person, right? And the thing is, it's it's a difficult call to make because it's oftentimes one of those things that you can't see from the outside mm-hmm. a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. And when you do most of the time, it is really severe cases where that might not, you might think that maybe that person put themselves in that position and it's them not practicing a strong will. You said the word crazy 
Uh, I'd love to share my definition of crazy with you. Yeah. I believe the word crazy simply means something we don't understand. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's really interesting because even if you look at like schizophrenic patients, you know, there's there's people who think maybe schizophrenics are kind of almost even, and this is kind of conspiracy, right? But schizophrenics might even be sort of more evolved individuals where they are in touch with other realms. And I know that that's kind of getting into some folklore and stuff like that, but that's, you know, an interesting concept. But that's just another way to look at something that you don't understand. Right, exactly. But that comes across in almost a more positive way. Right. Instead of a detrimental way. Mm -hmm. Right. And if you look at the history of psychology, the way that we did treat people based upon our lack of knowledge forced them to be hospitalized in conditions that were not helpful. Right. And being hospitalized is sometimes what people need. You know, it provides safety. Yeah. And it's not like the way it used to be you know people think of psychiatric hospitals and think of being shackled and and put in straight jackets and while there are components of that that's i've worked in treatment for so many years and so many different types of treatment yeah and i've been through my own treatment and that's not that's not what i've been exposed to yeah um, along my way and I don't think that's what you've been exposed to either yeah I'm, doesn't mean it's been easy well yeah I mean I personally have not experienced anything like that at the same time based upon severity and things of that nature you know there are reasons why they do put people in what you know is a slang term for a rubber room right, right. and that's that's a very real thing and that's because they're trying to keep that person alive by any means necessary and oftentimes medication does play a part with that in order to kind of slow them down to bring them back right most definitely so that is much more likely to be common with the client who is like you mentioned suicidal um harm has threatened some sort of harm to themselves and like you said they're trying to keep that individual safe so um we had talked about a statistic earlier you remember uh or did we not talk about that statistic i want to make sure we yeah the one about one in five americans suffer from a diagnosable mental illness in a given year yeah and that's what's crazy is that statistics show also that only one third of these individuals end up seeking treatment and that actually means that two-thirds of these individuals are not seeking treatment which means the majority of people are who are suffering are simply slipping through the cracks and they're left to suffer and that is so scary um that statistic yes one in five americans uh the and and just a little more on that mental health stigma one of the problems with it is that it really prevents and it can prevent early identification and treatment of mental illness 
And then the end result is actually a large population that lived their lives in shame, disgrace, uh, struggle, and constant battle, and homelessness. Um, And people, though, don't have to choose to let the mental health stigma overtake their lives. Yeah, they don't. I mean, I know, speaking on personal experience, um, you know, it can be hard at times to kind of step out of that overwhelm, uh, especially when it comes to to feeling, you know, in my own life, being depressed and being lethargic and having even just a difficult time getting out of bed, um, sometimes not even leaving bed for days on end. And, you know, during this period, I was supposed to be working a full-time job and supposed to be taking on these responsibilities. And this was in early sobriety. I really uh-huh. had a a limited amount of language and a limited amount of support um, at that time. And for me, I didn't really know how to reach out or, you know, even when I have tried to reach out, it's become difficult over time because it's felt like how many times can you really talk about the same thing to somebody? Right. Um, And how can you even talk to somebody if you feel like you've already talked to them and you don't feel worthy of even living and your head's spiraling out of control and you're having a hard time and just being able to show up one more time and feeling worthy of that time yeah. that you're requesting from that person to, to talk about what's going on. Agreed. And so frequently when, when people do want to talk about it, unfortunately, they go to... The wrong people and maybe yeah. it's their family who they want to believe and who may care about them and love them but they may themselves be misinformed and not able to provide them with the actual um you know information that that they really need yeah. therefore they don't get the help they yeah. need and so it's so important for anybody suffering to make sure you talk to the right people and a good place to start is your doctor or your therapist and be careful dr google because uh, diagnosing yourself can be really dangerous yeah no most definitely but i think also even in in talking to friends and family um kind of like what you said it's it's a dangerous place because our expectations aren't always met when we talk to those people. Right. And sometimes um, words of encouragement or motivation aren't what we need. Right. Right. Maybe we need to have under somebody there that understands actually what's happening to us physiologically and be able to provide us with education around it and or maybe you can't just rub dirt on depression right or you can't just get up and get moving sometimes with depression no i mean i i know you've heard it so many times people coming in and saying that somebody that they love or care about is frustrated with them and saying you know why can't you just get out of bed 
or why can't you just eat or why can't you just stop binging it should be that easy just um suck it up or you know like I really believe if it was that easy people would do it I don't think people really want to suffer I don't I don't think that that's our you know innate um like desire I just I think that people don't know any other way out yeah, and I think, or or another way to, to possibly interrupt that cycle. Right. Um, but there are things that can be done to give people the chance of of a new existence, of uh, a new day tomorrow, of even restarting your day today. Um, treatment and support, they give people who are suffering hope and the chance to lead an active and productive and healthy life. And, and yeah, and treatment really can also help to reduce the severity of symptoms. Uh, sometimes people need the, the treatment because they need containment and they need treatment coming from all aspects. They need somebody working with maybe medication management yeah. and they need somebody working with them on their psychological issues and somebody working with them on their nutritional issues and you know, um, and somebody helping them along physically because because we know exercise helps so much with depression, not necessarily with an eating disorder, but so the right type of treatment is is and can be very helpful. Yeah, and I think um, what's even more exciting about that is that there's a lot of different things to try. Right. And one of the most difficult things can be to to find a place where you can occupy your life, where you can step into the role of feeling courageous enough to ask for help. You know, a lot of my experience has been in having to find too much pain to mm-hmm. to then needing, you know, to to talk about what's going on and and uh, luckily I don't have to live like that <laughs> and um, I've, I've learned to talk about what's kind of going on before it gets to that place any longer but that's that brings relief in speaking Freedom. to people Freedom. yeah well in in yeah and connecting with people that's right. like the real freedom is finding that peace right from that awful state of mind right and and knowing that you're not alone because nobody is ever alone. There's always somebody out there that you can talk to. It's about finding that somebody that you can talk to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, like, just like there are, you know, fruits in the market or vegetables to eat, like, there's, or colors in a crown box, like, there's people that come in on different shapes and sizes and have different cultural backgrounds that can help assist you and 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 understanding where you're coming from and and maybe you don't fit with one person but maybe you fit with a different one. Uh-huh. And I've had to do a shuffles with different therapists. Me too. In my experience me too. and and that provided me a more comfortable place to feel like I could articulate my, myself. 
and it don't give up. Yeah. Don't give up. And even being a therapist, I've had clients who, you know, maybe we weren't the right fit. And that doesn't mean anything negative. That's that's my goal would be to help them find the right person that they can work with. I was just thinking uh, back a little bit when you were talking about, I, I think you, you were saying something about some things that we do to take care of our mental health. I just wanted to say that there's so many everyday things that I just know I, I know I have to take care of and I know so many of us have to take care of, whether it be um, getting enough sleep at night or you know, taking your medication at the proper time and eating, eating in a way that is optimal for, for your body and exercising in a way that's best for your body because everybody is so different. What are some of the things you have found, Will, that you do to take care of your mental health on a daily basis? That's a great question. Um, oftentimes, I try to, I try to always give myself like at least a minute or two, like when I get my car, mm-hmm. before I play anything, I like get myself going in the direction I need to go, and then I'll put on some music or something, and that helps me to like gather my thoughts. Usually, it's like in the morning on the way to work mm-hmm. or um, coming home and. Um, also I know for me, nature is like really important for me and being active is really important because usually I can get pretty hyper and, um, no, yeah, yeah, Yeah. no, definitely. And I can, it, it really, for me, I have a tough time in being able to focus and if I don't let out energy, then it's hard. I get really fidgety and, and I'll I'll be, I can study in 10 places at the same time, mm-hmm. but I really can't get any studying done. And that, so that for me is like a good, a good image of like how I'll keep spreading my stuff out. And if I don't get that clarity from getting outside or doing something creative, even then for me, that's, that's tough. Or, um, I know also something that brings me a lot of joy is, spending five or ten minutes with my dogs and right. I was gonna say that if yeah, you didn't about yeah. your dogs yeah yeah, yeah. Right. and that for me um gives me peace of mind because they're so loving and they're so friendly and mm-hmm. they they're just such joyous creatures and and I admire that about them and they you know they never get tired of seeing me I mean they jump up every single time they see me they get so excited and that's not the best manners but Nothing like unconditional love. Exactly. I mean, right. it makes you feel so good. Right. So. Right. What do you do? I do things such as, I like you were talking about nature. Nature is very important to me. I swim in the ocean, which is my greatest source of freedom and is an active meditation. Yeah. Uh, I, I love the ocean. I love to swim in the ocean. I love to paddle in the ocean. It is my favorite playground. I love to hike. Um, I love to 
do yoga. I also love to spend time with my animals um, and my friends and my family. Really important for me to stay connected and continually work on my my spiritual practice. And like you said again about nature, I get a lot of that from nature and. Yeah music music's really important to me i love to get into my car and roll down <laughs> all my windows and blast my music yeah, and yeah, it's really it nice never gets old yeah. it's just amazing that we yeah. have so much music disposable to us all the right? time right at our fingertips right yeah. and so these are just the things that some of our little things that we do to take care of ourselves and you'll learn so many more about us as we go along and that's going to be something big that we're going to talk about on the show like regularly about what people the many different things which is part of what we do at at mindful path um that that works for um that works for people to continually work on their mental health um when we were talking, I, I, I want to make sure I got it in. When we were talking about stigma earlier, um, it's, you know, there's actually a couple kinds of stigma, and it's so important that we bring attention to this. Yeah, tell me more. Okay, there is social stigma, mm-hmm. and that actually is characterized by harmful or hurtful attitudes and discriminating behavior directed towards individuals with mental health problems as a result of a psychiatric label they've been given. So, you know, depression or anxiety or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then there is self-stigma. And that happens when the mental health sufferer actually internalizes this discrimination and it inevitably just leads to increased shame um and it can make it it can cause someone to believe that uh mental illness is a sign of personal weakness and it's not and stigma is an ongoing problem and that's something else you're going to hear we are going to talk a lot about as we move forward in our podcast and that's a good time to talk about some of the things we're going to be talking about why don't we talk about our first upcoming series take it away yeah definitely so um in looking at the statistics and information as we were preparing this podcast and and just exploring everything I think some of the most interesting information that really stuck out to me was that 75% of mental health conditions develop by age 24. So in beginning the first season, we were really interested in exploring that age demographic, um, the millennials. And um, so that's about college age students right now, especially because with psychology, we know that the onset is at that age and hopefully we can make an impact right. um, whether kids are developing whether they might know somebody who's gonna who's kind of going through this um, what maybe certain characteristics in their lives are, are bringing about stress or right. bringing about mental health issues 
Um, so we wanted to begin by exploring that age demographic and seeing what college is all about. Right? Yeah, and not and not kids. They're no. not kids. No, they're, they're college adults. College age. They're adults. Yeah. And I look forward. I know. <laughs> I look forward to talking to them about topics such as uh, relationships and being a college student, relationships and mental health, um, sex and mental health, social media and mental health. Um, how, how partying? Yeah, partying for <laughs> sure. Drugs and partying yeah. and mental health and yeah. even the. Uh, dating you know culture there as as well as the greek system i think is so important to take a look at and you were mentioning about the statistic this is also we're going to go with with this age group first because also with suicide being the second leading cause of death for people age 10 to 34 we really are hoping we can make a really big impact there and have a lot of really cool people on to talk to and that they can share their perspectives with us and hopefully our our listeners get young people listening here and and getting to interact and you know share um have them be engaged right right it's all about engagement here uh, so, you know, because this mental health stigma, it's, it's still having such a negative impact on diagnosis and treatment of mental illness. And it prevents many people affected from using their courage to get help. And it prevents proper diagnosis and it leaves these people to suffer and struggle daily and you know we all need each other in this battle no one can do this alone no matter who you are we all need people we all need community and we are starting a campaign called me you and we that's the hashtag me you we campaign to really uh, work on all the things we're talking about on this podcast and increasing awareness of of mental health by talking to a lot of our local businesses. And so I'm really so excited to get to share more about that as we go on. Yeah. No, that's amazing. And the other thing that I wanted to let our listeners know is where they can reach us. Yeah. Um, so you can email (laughs) us at info at mindfulpath.com, M-I-N-D-F-U-L-P-A-T-H.com. Um, you can also go on, we have two websites. We have mindfulpath.com and ericaives.com and there's resource page. And so we list a lot of resources and so if any of you want to take a minute to write it down go ahead and get a pen you spell my name 
E-R-I-C-A-I-V as in Victor, E-S as in Sam, EricaIves.com. And we would really, 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 and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, we want to hear from you. We want to know what you want to talk about. We want to make this a place where we can interact and engage and we can bring specialists on who can help us understand understand things uh even better um and again just you know really work together uh, me you and we so i look so forward will to getting to co-host this podcast with you yeah me too and welcoming our college students next at all about mental health Thank you guys very much. Have a good evening. Goodbye. Bye.